0: The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Rev. Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie.
1: The scripture lesson this morning is the story of the resurrection of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I've not yet ascended to the father but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went out and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Here ends this reading on Easter morning inspired by God. May God grant to all of us wisdom and courage for interpretation.
2: The advice most frequently given to the preacher who is preparing Easter Sunday's sermon goes something like this. Don't worry so much, Jesus gets himself up from the grave. (laughs) Thank you, Captain Obvious. It ain't Jesus we're worried about, though. It's everybody else. You see, people come to church on Easter with all kinds of feelings and very particular expectations about what is supposed to happen on this day in church. This includes thoughts about the music, whether the organ is too loud or not loud enough, whether trumpets are appropriate for the sanctuary, and surprisingly big emotions about (laughs) handbells. They have thoughts about children, whether they should be in the service or not, or the pros and cons of our non-existent children's sermon. And of course, there are so many feelings about what you want us to say, about what really happened in Palestine 2,000 years ago. Physical resurrection? Metaphor? Both? Explain the resurrection, preacher, but do it my way, otherwise, you're a heretic. These expectations usually go unarticulated until the Monday after Easter, when they are unceremoniously emailed to the ministers. Which is better than being yelled at in a coffee shop about how you single-handedly ruined the one time someone's entire family attended church together. (laughs) I take that coffee to go, thank you. So my strategy this morning is to offend everyone at the beginning of the sermon serves two purposes. First, we can get it out of the way. And second, when I am accused of heresy, I prefer to be accurately quoted. (laughs) So depending on your expectations, heresy one, the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus actually happened. Up from the grave, he arose. In the literal, actual, take a photo of it since. It's possible we weren't there. If you are confused as to why some might consider this heresy, welcome to Mayflower. (laughs) But as scholar N.T. Wright notes, other prophets, other messiahs came and went in Jesus' day. Routinely, they died violently at the hands of the pagan enemy. Their movements either died with them, and sometimes literally, or transformed themselves into a new movement around a new leader. Jesus' movement did neither. Within days of his execution, it found a new lease on life. Within weeks, it was announcing that he was indeed the Messiah. Within a year or two, it was proclaiming him to pagans as their rightful lord. It is no good falling back on science as having disproved the possibility of resurrection. Any real scientist will tell you that science observes what normally happens. The Christian case is precisely that what happened to Jesus is not what normally happens. The elegant, essentially simple solution, rather than the one that fails to include all the data, is to say that early Christians believed Jesus had been bodily raised from the dead, and to account for this belief by saying, That they were telling the truth. So for those who think it is heresy or even just silly to proclaim that the bodily resurrection really happened, I encourage you to participate in a little intellectual and spiritual humility. Heresy 2. There was no physical bodily resurrection because Jesus' body was eaten off the cross by wild animals. Scholar Dominic Crossan reminds us that while that what made the cross a supreme Roman penalty was not just its humane, inhumane cruelty or public dishonor, but the fact that there might be nothing left to bury at the end, what we often forget about crucifixion is the carrion crow and scavenger dog, who respectively croak above and growl below the dead or dying body. Roman crucifixion was state terrorism. Its function was to deter resistance or revolt, especially among the lower classes, and the body was usually left on the cross to be consumed, eventually by wild beasts. No wonder we have found only one body from all those thousands of crucified around Jerusalem in that single century. Remember the dogs. Sometimes people are shocked to hear this. But scholar Bart Ehrman explains, it was widely known and accepted in antiquity that to be crucified meant to be food for scavengers. This was part of the torture while living and humiliation after death. The crucified person was unable to move hands or feet, obviously. It would be awful to not be able to brush flies off one's face, but that's not the beginning of it. What can you do if a crow goes for your eyes? Not a thing. Some people would prefer that Robin and I not mention this possibility, that it is the ultimate heresy, but intellectually honest and biblically responsible preaching is a hill we're willing to die on, so to speak. Having said, Robin is the only one who laughs at that every time. (laughs) Having said all of that, at the entrance to Jerusalem's Church of All Nations, next to the Garden of Gethsemane, there is a sign warning every visitor. No explanations inside the church. This is intended to discourage talkative tour guides and overly excited religious tourists from disturbing the church's prayerful ambiance. No explanations inside the church. This sounds like an especially good policy now that I'm halfway through this sermon. (laughs) Growing up, the church that raised me held a monthly worship service at a local nursing home. It was held in the common room, wheelchairs pushed up to the tables and some lining the walls. Some of the residents sat motionless, others couldn't stop moving. Not everyone stayed awake through the entire service, but there were a few who talked through the whole thing. The way I remember it, we spent most of the hour taking prayer requests and singing hymns, residents calling out their favorites. There was, of course, always a sermon, but it was mercifully shorter than the ones we sat through at church. There was one time, though, that the preacher couldn't be there. And I guess every deacon thought another deacon would step up to offer the sermon because no one stood up to take the lectern at the appointed time. There was just some awkward silence. But eventually, someone stood up, grabbed a Bible, and said, What story would you like to hear? And from somewhere in the back came the shaky voice of an old woman, Tell us a resurrection story. Everything held still for just a moment. Yes, another someone said. Tell us a resurrection story. This seems to be a much more useful request than explain the resurrection. Tell us a resurrection story. I've been hearing that a lot lately. Tell us, tell us a resurrection story. It's not exactly how the request is usually phrased, but it's what they mean. We are hungry for a resurrection story because just like 2,000 years ago, the world is utterly dark and violent. Occupation, colonization, miscarriage of justice, the collusion of state and religion, betrayal for money, public execution, mothers watching their sons be killed, suffering, tears, grief. In human history, and in the world today, these things are the norm, not the exception. This is important to remember in a time when so many things in the world we live in feel inside out. As we ask every week at our vigil for immigration justice, when did cynicism and cruelty to those most vulnerable become our nation's policy What has happened to America's sense of decency and righteousness? Last week, we mourned the anniversaries of both the worst domestic terrorist attack and the school shooting at Columbine, a tragedy that, if it had happened in any other country, would have elicited more than just thoughts and prayers. We have yet to have a meaningful conversation about the radicalization of young white men in America. And as far as school shootings go, our own state legislature now simply assumes they are going to happen and thinks the best course of action is to add more guns to the equation by arming classroom teachers. Everything seems to be at risk. Even this planet, the only home we know, is ailing, groaning under the strain of us. The seas keep rising, but still, there are climate change deniers. People, if it's God, answer. <laughs> People are looking for a resurrection story. People are looking so hard for a resurrection story that we'll look almost anywhere for one including the government, even a government that during the month of Easter reaffirmed state-sponsored execution. As an aside, this should be Exhibit A in why America is not a Christian nation. There was an assumption a resurrection story would be included in the Mueller report, but there is no resurrection story in that report. After telling us the Russian government interfered in the 2016 presidential election in sweeping and systematic fashion, and if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the President clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would say so. The best hope the Mueller report could offer was the conclusion that Congress may apply the obstruction laws to the President's corrupt exercise of the powers of office accords with our constitutional system of checks and balances and the principle that no one is above the law. It's up to Congress. Great! (laughs) There is a reason the hymn goes, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness and not Our hope is built on nothing less than congressmen paid by lobbyists. (laughs) There are important things in that report, but there is not a story of resurrection. The good news is that we know where to find one. The Bible tells us the stories we need and want to hear, stories to help us live, stories to help us die, and stories to help us live again. Our resurrection story is the story of Mary Magdalene, who, even while it was still dark, went to the tomb. Our resurrection story is the story of a footrace between two grown men so excited at what might be that they didn't care what they looked like with their robes drawn up and beards flying, sprinting to see for themselves. Can you imagine? Our resurrection story is the story of a woman so dedicated that she offered to carry away a heavy corpse herself. Sir, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Are you kidding, Mary? But she wasn't. She was willing. Our resurrection story is the story of people who would not give up on each other. This is our story even if the Trump administration gets away with every single thing, even if the great experiment of American democracy fails, even if we can't convince a critical mass that all of us need to make changes to lower the Earth's fever, no matter the diagnosis, the accident, the bad news, we will walk into the night to keep watch. We will race towards hope, Without cynicism or spin, we will relentlessly show up for one another. This this is the biggest heresy of them all, of course, that the resurrection is still happening. The powers and principalities want to keep Easter to just one day commemorated by candy and plastic eggs, but it's just not who we are. We are evidence that the resurrection is still happening. Easter isn't something we remember. It is something we live and breathe and practice. So Happy Easter, you beautiful bunch of heretics! Let's rise!
0: You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Rev. Laurie Walkie, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at MayflowerUCC.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.